G'day and welcome to The Green Place. I'm your host, James Atfield. Green hydrogen is a clean source of energy that is burnt to get power without any carbon dioxide emissions. This is because hydrogen only emits water when it is burnt. Hydrogen has been stealing the spotlight in recent years. In 2018, the first hydrogen-powered train commenced service in Germany, and Toyota introduced a hydrogen-powered car in 2021. Hydrogen-powered cars will be important given that the energy grids don't currently have the capacity to support plug-in vehicles. The global hydrogen generation market size was valued at 155.35 billion USD in 2022 and is expected to expand at a compound annual growth rate of 9.3% from 2023 to 2030. The growth of hydrogen as a fuel source makes it an attractive component of our future energy mix. Last episode, we discussed with Alex Zorniger, who works in business development at Power to Hydrogen. This week, we are sitting down with Hussein Bada, a postdoctorate researcher at Drexel University. Hussein is researching the production of titanium oxide nanofilament material that can be used to harness sunlight to generate hydrogen. Let's find out more about his research. Welcome to The Green Place. Thank you so much, James, for having us. Can you briefly explain the use of hydrogen as a fuel source? So you know how we have been talking for a while about climate change. That's been a topic going all all the way in the news and in the TV, we even have been talking about that every day. Climate change, temperature increasing all the time, even Philadelphia wasn't snowing last year and the winter. And there are so many consequences on that. So world leaders, policymakers, industry leaders have paid attention to that a long time ago. And it was like, okay, let's stop using carbon dioxide emitting fuels. So the main source of fuel we have right now, or the main source of energy we have right now, is carbon-containing fuels, gas, uh, diesel, or even carbon, like graphite. And uh, the solution is, let's stop using fuels that has carbon in it, and then we can stop emitting greenhouse gases and find another alternative for that. There's so many alternatives. Nuclear energy is one of them, but you know, there are so many talks about safety, uh, solar cells is another alternative, but also or the low intensity for solar cells is can't really cover industries and stuff. So we're going to find another real alternative to stop using fuels, uh, carbon-based fuels, and go to a green option. And the green option right now is hydrogen. We start with water, split it into hydrogen and oxygen, use the hydrogen as a fuel, and hydrogen, when we burn it, we get hydro- water. So there is no carbon dioxide or no greenhouse gases at all. This feels like it's a, a new topic, the hydrogen. It is getting a lot of mention in the media, but you said it's been around for quite some time. Is Have there been a lot of developments recently? Is that why we are hearing more about it? Or is this just because of the climate change is such a big focus? The climate change has been a main focus for a while now, I think. It's, getting, it's increasing more and more every year. The reason why people are talking more about that now, you know how... Here in the United States, we have this, the moon shot long time ago that we want to go to the moon. So now there is the earth shot or the hydrogen shot that we really want to 
take care of our planet. It's getting worse with greenhouse gases. It's getting worse with carbon dioxide. So the administration right now is putting a lot of efforts on the air shot or the hydrogen shot. And there is a big call now. It's called 111, dropping down the cost of one gallon of hydrogen to $1 in a decade. That's start 2020, and it should be done by 2030. That's a plan. We're not sure if we're actually going to make it or not, but all efforts are going toward that now. Let's drop one gallon, one gallon of hydrogen to $1. So the expense is coming down and these this technology is becoming more affordable for not just corporations, but could could it be used in a lot of other sort of areas? I, before I go down that route, the hydrogen industry is pretty big. It's $150 billion industry as of 2022. More than $150 billion, actually. The gross rate here is 10%. And USD, that's really huge. And they've got so many sections in that. So the production is one section, which is I'm concerned about. That's mainly our work. But there is also storage. That's another section. Transportation, like transporting that or delivering it. That's another section. Dispensing is as a third, as a fourth section. So it got so many prospects in it. That's why it's pretty big industry. Right now, we as a scientific group working on the production term, and I can tell you more about that later. But there's so many sections, there's so many money, there's so many investment, like so much investment in that that's going on right now. So what are some of the leading applications of hydrogen production? So so to answer this question about leading applications, I want to talk about California trying to turn into zero emission state by 2035. And the way they are trying to do that is to convert most of the vehicles or hopefully all the vehicles you have to zero emission vehicles by 2035. Part of it is they're trying to, to do a lot of electric vehicles right now, which is already running. You know, Tesla is a big trend right now in the U.S. overall. But also they're working now on the hydrogen vehicles. And it's not just the small vehicles like, like sedan cars and stuff. No, it's actually working on fleet vehicles too, which is good. Now, if you see buses, there are so many buses in California. When I was in L.A. a few months ago, so many buses in California are just hydrogen, hydrogen-powered buses. So that's one application is all feed fleet vehicles will be uh, powered by hydrogen. That's one side. The other side is they are trying to have a train. So by 2030, they will have the first train in the U.S. powered by hydrogen. Canada already a few months ago got the first hydrogen powered train. So it sounds like the entire world, not just, not just Canada, it's not just the U.S. The entire world is turning into uh, green powered, hydrogen powered fleet vehicles, buses, I think New York is trying to make a ferry right now, powered by hydrogen too. So think of everything uses gas today will be just using hydrogen in the future. Do you think there needs to be any policy or regulation changes that would help to support hydrogen research and implementation? Yes, absolutely. So as just Dr. Bersum just mentioned now, remember the end goal is to have the customer using hydrogen instead of gas. And to make that, we need to have hydrogen as cheap as gas. So if one gallon of gas now is almost little less than $4, then if we don't have hydrogen with the same cost, we can't compete with that market at all. So right now, there is something called gray hydrogen that's as cheap as gas. So let me tell you, there are so many colors of hydrogen, and the color here is not the hydrogen itself. It's actually how is the impact of that on the environment. So the three main colors are Gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen, and green hydrogen. So if you start with water and natural gas, you still emit carbon dioxide in the environment, but you end up having hydrogen, and then you use this hydrogen, which is a green source, which is good as a green source, but making it is not that green. That's why we call it gray. Now, if you capture this carbon dioxide going in the environment, 
to um, like in filters or stuff, that's called blue. So we produce carbon dioxide, but it's not going in the environment. That's called blue hydrogen right now. Now, if you make hydrogen in a way that doesn't produce carbon dioxide at all, that's called green. So the simple way here is to get water, split it into hydrogen and oxygen, and just use hydrogen. And to split that, you need to use electricity. So if you use a renewable source here, now you're making green hydrogen. You get sun into electricity, that's, it, that's green. You use this electricity to split water into hydrogen and oxygen, use this hydrogen as a fuel. There's no carbon at all in the whole process. The problem is green hydrogen is expensive. It's, it's little around $8 a gallon. That's too high to be used or commercialized right now. That would explain why the, I told you earlier that the green hydrogen, that the hydrogen market is 115 billions. 1% of it is a green hydrogen market, which is not too big. It's quite small. However, the growth rate of green hydrogen market is 60%. So right now the market is just 1% out of the whole hydrogen market, but the growth is tremendously huge to catch up. Going to your question now about regulations, the government is pushing really hard to drop down the, the cost of hydrogen. One, two, is to make it green. So it's not only you make hydrogen cheaper, please make it greener too. And to make it greener, there's so many ways we get through. Drop down the electricity, the cost of electricity, drop down the catalysts we are using or the electrolyzers overall, drop down the delivery and the storage systems. And there are so many details in that. What are some of the things that you're most excited about in your research? And has there been any specific experiments or studies that have been particularly insightful in relation to your research? That is a very good question. So... It, it's for all scientists, researchers, and engineers important to make science that's really useful to the community, really useful to the society. It's not just making science and like do, doing some chemistry for the fun of it. It has to be right on, helpful, and useful to society. What we did here is uh, Dr. Bersum and I, I'm actually a postdoctoral now, so I finished my PhD with Dr. Bersum. I'm working now as a postdoc at Dr. Bersum's lab. But uh, we discovered a new family of nanomaterials where we can make kilograms of a highly active nanomaterial in a plastic bottle at 50 degrees C. And 50 degrees C is, if you go to the Middle East, 50, 50 degrees C is at room temperature. So it's it's quite close to the ambient conditions. It's not really high temperature or anything. So when we use this plastic bottle and few really cheap and earth abundant powders mix them at room temp in a plastic bottle, get kilograms of nanomaterial that we found out later that it's really, really active in hydrogen production. And it's active in two ways. In one way, we just put it in a cup of water under the sun, which is called photocatalysis. And then sun activates it to get electrons out and split water into hydrogen and oxygen. This is called photocatalytic water splitting. Yeah, you depend on the sun and split the water into hydrogen and oxygen. Another way is use it as electrocatalyst, where you still dip it in water, but instead of using sun, use electricity. And then we try to minimize the amount of electricity we are using. So our material is surprisingly good for both applications. And we, we got our paper, papers published on that. We got the patents on that too here at Drexel. And we're, we're commercializing them. And actually companies are really interested in what are we doing. So why I'm excited? Because... What I'm doing in the lab today is really impactful tomorrow. As soon as I finish the experiment, report it to, to my PI here, Dr. Bersum. We go talk to the company 
And there's so many companies, you see, there's so many companies in the market who are interested in, in what are we doing. One of them actually, uh, Plug Power. Plug Power is a really big company working on green hydrogen production right now. And we are in contact with so many companies, not not just Plug, with so many other companies. And whatever results we are get, we share with them, we start working together, attempting to commercialize this material and hopefully go down the market one day. So you're working with multiple startups and multiple different organizations with your research? Uh, I would say not multiple startups, just one startup we are trying to launch right now. So it's between academia, universities, research institutes, National Science Foundation, and companies. So the third party here is a company. We go to companies and communicate with them. If they're interested, we start going into some uh, testing together, not at the lab scale, but at the pilot scale, which is a stage just pre-production. If we pass that, of course, we make a deal and then we go through production. I really like the fact that the work's being shared. You know, it's not like being kept as proprietary information so that uh, sort of Drexel can sort of hold as their own. It's really good that these sort of things are being shared to the wider community because we're not going to reduce effects of climate change if everything's kept secret. And the other part I want to add here is I think we, we were lucky to get this discovery in the right time. We got that material that's really good for hydrogen production when the entire world is calling for a new green hydrogen technology. Like it's not just at the Department of Energy, if you go to their goals, one of the goals is we really want to drop down the coast. And one of the sub-goals is the most efficient material in green hydrogen production is iridium and platinum. And iridium and platinum are not just expensive. They don't exist a lot and they're not that abundant. So if you really want to make hydrogen for the entire world, we can't rely on them to make electrolyzers. So we need to change that with a new technology that is abundant. And guess who has this technology now? <laughs> That's great. Um, you said you the the startup you're working with and with and on. Can you give us any more information about that? So, so the startup is not formed yet, and I told you we're going through many stages. Stage one was let's define what's our value proposition, and we already did that. And then let's go see the market. So we did market discovery first, and guess what? Even though our material is quite good, the market is not really interested because they don't have the infrastructure for that. And they're all working in electric catalysis, which is good and great. And there's so much money over there, but they're not interested in photocatalysis. So we did another round of Innovation Corp, at which we interviewed more than 130 people who are all in industry. None of them was academia. Again, that's 130 people that they are all in industry and we never know them. So we went to conferences, we reached out and LinkedIn, we talked to so many people around about what they are doing. And this is how we, we end up getting contacts with all these companies in the US. Early Kid is one of them, Air Codex is another one, Plug Power is another one. There's so many companies working in that field. So after defining the market and defining our value proposition, now we are in contact to do what's called the claim validations. That's another stage. So we're working on that right now. And while we are doing the claim validations, we are raising money. We're talking to companies to see if we can expand this research and try to develop this material more and more. And also take late validation itself requires some money. So that's why we are raising money for that. All that is pre-company. Once we have these tech claim validations, I think we should be able to go for a company and then move forward. And joint venture was one of the companies. We will have another plan for that. I think the whole team need to discuss what, like where to go first. That's great. It sounds like there's some exciting things coming in the in the near future. 
Is there any emerging trends or developments that you find particularly exciting? The hydrogen technologies are exciting. The emerging trend is the green hydrogen technology itself. I just told you that's just 1% of the market right now. Even though the world leaders know that we have to make it green, still the market is just 1%. That's less than a billion dollars. But what's exciting is the growth rate, 60%. It's encouraging for us to work more and more and try to collaborate with more people. And again, it's it's all about to find the right people. We have the technology and they need the technology. And we all want to get in hydrogen to be out. So we just need to talk to the right people and be at the right place at the right time. Again, we have been going to so many conferences the past few months. Uh, when I say conferences here, I mean industrial conferences. So we contributed in the World Hydrogen Summit. That happened was happening in the, in Rotterdam and the Netherlands last May, I think. Then we also have been to LA and hydrogen and fuel cell seminars, which was seminar, which is one of the biggest seminars for hydrogen technologies in in the US. And there we found a lot of people, not just academia people. We found a lot of industry people. We found a lot of legislation people to know how far deep is the hydrogen technology apart from science. It sounds like there's so many legislations. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you would like to mention before we wrap it up? For so many researchers, they have been focusing a lot on research, which is great. We really need innovations. We really need breakthroughs. We really need a lot of research happening, which is what are you doing right now? And the step that takes like 10 years or more is to go to industry. Thankfully, we did that in a year. Because of so many things, our technology is really good and it's exciting and everyone sees it, likes it and ask for like more details and let's meet and talk about that. But one side people are not really focusing on is uh, public awareness. I'm really interested about that right now because if we if we really want to drop the hydrogen once, like if one day you are going to the gas station, put hydrogen on gas, you need to know that a few years ahead and just put yourself in the mentality that like, yes, I should do that. It's not just because it's cheap. It's also because it's a green, it's saving the world. It's not just saving my world, it's saving the entire world. So I think between education, research, industry, and public awareness, this four, these four sides should just be more connected, which there's so many examples I can tell, but all I think are individuals, it's like success stories. It's not like a trend. It's more like individual success stories, but the more, the more the merrier. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. we should have more of, more of that full loop of education, research, industry, and public awareness and on. Uh, that's one side. The other side is I'm really excited about this material. Again, I, I told you we discovered a new family of, of nanostructures. It's not just the catalyst we are talking about. The catalyst is one side that we can produce hydrogen much cheaper and much easier than uh, how people are using it right now or making it right now. But we have the whole family of nanostructures, different chemistries, different compositions, different morphologies, and different applications. Green hydrogen production is one of them. We're working really hard on that. We have collaborators, Professor Joshua Snyder from Chemical Engineering Department, and our collaborators from Romania too. We're working on, on photocatalytic uh, water splitting with them. But we are all, I told you, we're working with more than 150 people all over the world in so many different applications. Lithium sulfur battery is one of them. Lithium ion battery is another one. Super caps is one of them. We are even doing, we just got a paper published on water uh, desalination. So, so we use a kilogram of our material to make 25 tons of water contaminated with uranium. We just make it potable using one kilogram of our material. That really costs us nothing. 
it's titanium oxide, it's pretty cheap. We make it in a few days. So it really co it costs us almost $0 when you compare it to the value that you make 25 tons of, of water contaminated with uranium. You just make it possible. And there are so many we can do further down this point. And there's so much exciting excitement with that. So that's, I think, what I'm looking forward to. Just keep making more and more innovations and science and for the most part, or hopefully having an impact on the society. That's great. Sounds like there's almost too much to cover, well, definitely too much to cover uh, in the sort of the half hour that, that we've got. But it would be really good, I think, in maybe a few months' time or 18 months' time to, if the podcast is getting a little bit of traction, to um, have you back on and, and discuss like how things have developed because you're the second person we've had on talking about hydrogen. So there is obviously a demand and people are there wanting to talk about it. And hopefully through podcasts like this, the community can become more educated. So we have a, we have a conference actually happening at Drexel in a few days where we really have not just people who discovered the material, but also people from Environmental Protection Agency, people from ExxonMobil, people from Early Kid and from the government. Plus four editors who are from Silk Press is a publisher who is actually hosting the event with Drexel University. And the beauty of that is most of the conferences, there's so many researchers in it, which is great and fantastic. But the fact that we can get not just researchers, researchers and editors, industry, government, and army, like all of them are sitting together talking about this, like the future of that new family of nanomaterials we discovered, which is hydroxide drive nanostructures. I think that's an experience that I haven't seen before. I've been to so many conferences, almost have been to half of the states in the past few years in conferences. And first time to have like a conference, it was Dr. Bersoom's idea along with cell editors. And it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to have all these people sitting together. Not sure if it's for the first time, but it's definitely for the first time about our materials. That is a an interesting group of people that I don't think would generally work too closely together in a lot of lot of areas. So it's really good that they're coming together to discuss your work, and hopefully from that we see some interesting developments and some some new ideas come from it. So that's that's really really good. Well, thank you for coming on the Green Place today. It's been really great chatting to you, and I'm sure we'll be keeping across your research in the in the coming months and years. So thank you so much. That's it for this episode of The Green Place. Visit greenly.co to learn more about environmentalism.